What's going on? This is Cheers from the Press Box. I'm your host this evening, Headphone Joe. And I'm here with my co-host, as always. What's up, everybody? Brad and Tassif coming to you live and in person. From New York City. It's Saturday New night. York. Oh, sorry. Um... So that song plays on repeat, by the way, every time, really? whenever you're walking around in the street, whenever it's all you step outside. Keep it for Alicia Keys. Settle down. <laughs> settle down. Um, that's crazy that it will be just be played on a loop once you yeah, step people are just like, yeah, door. I'm here, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so without any further ado, I'm gonna let you know, folks know what we're about to get into. Uh, we're going to do some Super Bowl predictions because we got to. It's the biggest thing coming up this week. Then we're going to talk about the NBA and talk about the week that was or was not in NHL because the All-Star Dame did take place. Um, then we got a couple of quick hits. And then we got walk-offs. The return. The return. The walk-off. Super long ones. Super long ones. Yes, it is. So without any further ado, second time I said it, this episode. Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Here we go. Game of the week. Game of the season. Brennan. Game of the season. It is time to talk Super Bowl predictions. I want to know your winner. I want to know your score. I want to know your MVP. But before, let's discuss what we think is going to happen in the game. All right. All righty. You want me to go first? Yes, I did. Okay. Sorry. I was looking <laughs> at something. Uh, um, so big, big, huge, huge game. Huge, biggest game. So for those of you who have been living under a rock, it'll be the Cincinnati Bengals going against the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Um, so a couple things. Obviously, uh, Joe Burrow's number one weapon is uh, Jamar Chase. But they are missing, um, I can never say his name, the tight end. CJ. Yeah, CJ, (laughs) starting (laughs) tight end. I'm never going to try to say his name again. Yes, CJ. Which I think is going to be a big blow because with that pass rush uh, that the Rams have and that defensive line, I thought the tight end was, I don't think Burrow's going to have a whole ton of time to push the ball down the field to Jamar. So I thought that that was going to be important. They do have Joe Mixon, who's been crushing it this year. I would um, say and that could actually end up helping them because not having a receiving tight end out there, having somebody that could probably stay in block, chip block, block and yeah. stuff like that, where he's not going to be, whoever the backup is, I don't know his name. Um, he won't be like, it doesn't have to be a focal point of the offense and you could open it up for Tyler Boyd and T. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Leave a couple more people in to, to block that defensive line. Mm-hmm. But let's get to the real meat and potatoes of this. I'm predicting the Rams to win the game. I've been riding the Rams all year. I know I didn't think the Bengals would make it this far in the playoffs. Good for them, though. It gives me hope as a Jacksonville fan uh, that Joe Burrow can do this in the second no year. Uh-huh. Huh? Huh? I, 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 I miss what you said. <laughs> you, you said you should have no hope. But, uh, well, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, they didn't have a good offensive line. This year, they don't even have a good offensive line. No. Like, they weren't. They didn't have an abundance of weapons. They had a couple. Mm, last year, I they thought had, they had a good, solid number one and a solid number two. And then they added out another one. <laughs> then they have Joey Swag. So, who knows? I don't and think they got Trevor Lawrence is so. Joe Swag, though. Uh, ETN comes back next year. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm taking the Rams. Let's see. Let's see. Because I've been riding the Rams all year. I'm taking the Rams. I'm going to 
take the Rams actually pretty big in this one. Ooh. I think it's going to be like a 35 to like 17 or a 35, 21, maybe kind of a game. I think the Rams win by two scores though. Um, and then the MVP is going to be the same person. It always is a uh, quarterback. Von Miller? I'm going to take oh. Matthew Stafford as the MVP. Von Miller was once the MVP before. So yeah, he was actually. Don't, don't get it. Well, at least always, you know, it's normally the quarterback. So I'm going to yeah, take Matthew Stafford. Quarterback or receiver of some sort. Um, That's what I was thinking, but they've got too many. I think the ball's going to get spread out. I think they're going to double cup. OBJ is going to have a big game, but they're also probably going to have to feed it to, um, the running back in the uh, tight end as well. Who? Mm-hmm. What's the uh, Higby probably isn't going to play. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I was going to say he's out too. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Both tight ends for both teams are out. Um, all right. So who do you got? In my heart of hearts, I want to go with Cincinnati because of the budding friendship of Joe Burrow and Kid Cuddy now. Uh, oh Joe gosh, Burrow this is a thing. Him, this is a thing. They're they're apparently Cuddy hit him up after the game. Joe Burrow sent the AFC Championship jersey signed to Cuddy, and he posted it on Twitter. So I want it because you know Cuddy's from Ohio as well, so they're Ohio boys. And Joe Burrow professed his love and like he listens to Cuddy pregame and whatnot. So I kind of really want to go Joey Swag, but um, like I said before, if he wins. A monster will be created, and there you can tell him nothing after that, not to make another rap reference. Um, so he has to face some heartbreak at some point. He has to come down to reality outside of that leg injury last year. So I got the Rams as well. Um, they yeah. have no offensive line to speak of. Uh, and that other side has Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is they got to, he got not, sacked nine times by the Titans. Exactly. And the Titans couldn't put up any points whatsoever. Again, they only put up 16 points. So... If the if the Rams have half as many sacks as that, four and a half, five sacks, four sacks, they're not going to dwindle those opportunities. Sean McVay, as much as he had tight booty last game, um, as far as his his uh, game management, I don't think he'll have that as far as play calling. That play calling has never been an issue for him. Um, the offense pretty much looks elite at all times, except for the Super Bowl where they got their heads caved in. Yeah, I was um, going to say, except that one time. Except that one Super Bowl. But um, their defense still held up in that Super Bowl. It was a 13-3 they game. Did. What was it? 19-17? Uh, 13-3. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was a 13-3 game. So they said they only gave up barely any points. I got Jalen Ramsey getting at least one pick. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say MVP. I was like, get no, out of no, no, here. No. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey will get a pick. Um, MVP, Oh, so score. I think it's I think it's gonna be like a two score game, honestly. Um some in the ballpark of thirty one to thirteen, maybe. Okay. Um, so you got it you got it about a score lower than I do on both sides. Yeah. Um and then MVP, I got two options here. And I'm gonna go off the board with no quarterback. I'm gonna go Jamar Aaron Chase. Donald or Cooper Cup. Okay. The legend of the I was going to go Cooper Cup. Continues. Yeah. The cup runneth over, I will say. <laughs> and we um, found the name of the episode. Yeah, yeah you know, I, as soon as I said it, I was like, I got the name. <laughs> you got to spell it the right way. K-U-P-P. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Think about Obviously, rookie yeah, you know this? what you're doing. Think think rookie? I, yeah. Come on. Um, I mean, Same you, think Joe Swag and Joe Cool. you think our interns are rookie? Right, our intern producer. that comes up with all the show titles? Your dog. 
Um, Maya. <laughs> Squeaking in the background. Yeah, Kyle, suck it. <laughs> but yeah, so do anything else? Uh, the halftime show. Do you think that this is going to be one of the better halftime shows? Yeah. You know how I feel about Eminem. It's my guy. There's four other people on the halftime show. Well, Kim's the greatest love song ever written. So, <laughs> Kane, that's not what I was asking about. <laughs> Um, I think this is yeah, going to be a very no, interesting Super Bowl halftime they, they're, show. They're they're going to neuter the shit out of this halftime show. I That's mean, it's Dre the and upsetting Dog thing. And it's Mary J. Blige too, right? Yeah, Mary J. Kendrick. Yeah, they're going to neuter the shit out of this. Yeah, it's very funny you say that with Dog. There, it's a good pun. Oh, um, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting ones because they kind of have. A little something for everybody. You got Eminem there for the Caucasians. You got Mary J there for the women. You got Kendrick, Snoop, and Dre. You got Dre for the old folks. Well, I'd Snoop say for Kendrick's the for the folks. women. <laughs> Kendrick's not for the women. Ladies uh, love got, Kendrick. <laughs> what women are you talking to? Are you talking to I, hipster women that have, like, have advanced like, degrees out of college? We're talking about Kendrick Lamar, right? Kendrick Lamar is like the most technical rapper. <laughs> what are you talking really? about? He's not a that love song. He's not a Lothario. What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought he was like a ladies man. No, he has like a lady song per album. Maybe he does yeah. that thing where you got to f- tally that like, all right, song for the women. You like the old rock and roll ballads that the yeah. Guns N' Roses and stuff. One would do. for them and then the rest for the guys. Um, <laughs> one. So they'll come to the concerts because, you know, women buy tickets to concerts. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just making flipping accusations right now. Uh, the ladies spent all the money, Joe. Hey, <laughs> you got Dre and Snoop for the, the old folks. You got Kendrick back. for the young folks. So, um, yeah. they're, they're tallying a lot of boxes with this one. And going forward, do you think they'll have this much people as the quote unquote headliners for the halftime shows? No, I don't know. So the Janet Jackson thing happened, and then they had to like completely neuter the halftime show yeah, entirely, completely Remember- white. Yeah, well, remember they started doing like Rolling... Well, no, Prince was in there that one year. They were doing like Rolling Stones. That was pre? Okay. I want to say that was pre. And then they were doing like Billy Joel and the Rolling Stone and like just all this like... I think Springsteen did one. Springsteen. That's not Billy Joel. Springsteen. Uh, And it it was bad. And then last year... They were like, we're spicing this up. And I think I told you the story about when I was watching the Super Bowl at my uncle's house, who's, mm, you know, he's yeah. a big conservative. Uh, and it was awkward to say the least. I mean, I loved it, but it I was awkward. Say, they, they, they spiced it up a couple years in a row. Um, basically, when they started introducing black people to it again. Beyonce. Um, yeah, Beyonce. You had Bruno Mars for one. Uh, well, the weekend oh, did one. That one was the weekend. The weekend was last year, actually. Yeah, okay. And then Shakira, two years ago, was the, yeah, it was two years ago. The weekend Sha- one was good. I liked the, that one. The weekend one was very good. I liked it a lot, and I liked how he used the the stadium and like all the different yeah. set pieces. It was really interesting. But that's the weird thing. So like, the weekend is not as is, is very um broad Broadway or what am I trying to say? Broadway. Like uh, very pop. You know what? It's huh. Pop appeal? Yeah, it's got a lot of like <laughs> anyone can listen to it. It's not offensive. It doesn't really push. Like unless you listen to some of the lyrics. Some of the I lyrics. Know, that's are, a cute thing. <laughs> but yeah, but, a lot but of I'm those saying songs it, are about cocaine. <laughs> yeah, but in general, the the tone and like the that yeah. like there's nothing. Uh, and again, I've listened to the lyrics. Like when I listen to music, I like listening to the lyrics over the beat. Mm. And it's like some of those songs. You're like, whoa, whoa, but. uh <laughs> 
but like the Shakira J J Lo thing was like obviously their whole drive is sex appeal. Like all mm. a lot of their songs are about sex. So when they had that, I think they're doing like oh, one spicy, sex. then like a couple neutral, then we'll do like one spicy, then a couple neutral, and this year's going to be a neutral one because they're going to this is going to be a neutral one. I nothing now. I know it can't happen because like they pre do rehearsal yeah, everything's and everything's totally like pre taped as far as like what's going to be said or whatnot. God damn. I would love if Dr. Dre said, fuck the police. <laughs> Dude. If they just came out and you just if heard that drop, out, fuck the police coming straight, coming from straight the from the underground. <laughs> Got a bad on me. Cause I'm Ice Cube just comes out of nowhere. Like, Oh man. yeah. And not the other color of that police thing. <laughs> All right. I know. That was the first song I ever memorized. Really? You and Anderson. Yeah. One more round. All right, we My got a quick one more NWA. round. Brennan, this is a question I just thought to myself the other day. Who's having a worse offseason, the Miami Dolphins or the Washington football team? I know. I wish they would have oh, kept sorry. Washington football team. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. I the just Commodores. Commodores. Com- Commanders. Commodores. Commanders. Commanders. Um, so I'm... So there's a couple of biases on this one. Recency bias. I'm going with Miami just because all that stuff is happening kind of right now. Um, and also so you're unaware of the uh, sexual allegations of Daniel Snyder. I'm guessing. No, that's that's the stuff that came up a few months ago where everyone was new one just came out like, oh, two days ago. A new one came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Where like well, the woman is implicating him specifically. Oh, wow. God, that no. sucks for him. Um, But. I'm still going Miami just, because that sucks for her too. That sucks for her too. Yeah, I meant like that, like the, the royal that, like that whole everything that's going on over there. That sucks. I got you covered. I got you covered. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm still going Miami just because the Flores thing. Obviously, you're going to talk about it later in your walk off, but that has implications that span. When you say worst off season, now I don't want people to get it twisted. We're talking about worst off season from a professional football standpoint. Obviously, mm-hmm. the allegations and the you know everything brought by the Washington football team is way worse. Mm-hmm. I I would say that you know sexual assault, obviously in the in the grand scheme of things, is way worse than a coaching dispute. But as far as it relates to football in the NFL. I would say Miami's having the worst off season. God, I talk for a living. See, I got <laughs> You really, you really made a cocoon there. Um, I'm going to go with the football team. Um, the sexual allegation thing aside, because we, we don't have that much information on it right now. And that just looks like it's just, it, they just look like they're going to have to sell that team eventually. Like there's he no way to. He has say, to. there's, there's just an avalanche of things that are piling up. Um, but also the reason I go with them is the fumbling of this entire rollout. Uh, I don't know. I watched Alfred from Morris's the- <clears throat> Instagram video of the party and it looked like a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Um, But I'm talking about just the lead up with uh, Joe Theismann revealing it ahead of time and trying to backtrack on that. You had fucking the news with their helicopter seeing everything and then everybody just summarily panning the the uniforms, the team name. Um, Nobody likes it. They should have stuck with football team. They should have stuck with football team. You know why, Brennan? There's not even a new logo. I know so, it's the same stuff. So what stuff. was the point? It's just another I, W on the helmet. Like they didn't, they did nothing to update the look, and it just looks bad. 
Like they added extra lines on. They could have honestly just kept the same. Yeah, they uniforms. did like a weird like line thing. They they messed with the numbers. What is up with teams and like trying to get fancy with the numbers? Just have the Everyone's numbers trying be to be the Baylor, numbers. man. Everyone's trying to be Jesus Baylor. Sake. Everybody's trying to be uh, uh, Oregon. That's the problem. Oh yeah, Oregon. That's what I meant. I was gonna say, you know what Oregon has? Nike headquarters right there. Like yeah. y'all need to chill out. You don't have you don't have Nike working on your uniforms. Yeah. But um yeah, so I, I think the football team is having a worse offseason. Um they still another reason they still haven't addressed the quarterback position. Is Tyra Haneke really gonna be the future going forward? Is that what it is? No. Come on. What have they? There's no quarterbacks in this draft. I was saying, who's the quarterback in the draft? They're not linked to any of the free agent, like the bigger free agent quarterbacks. Like they're just on this treadmill of mediocrity. Speaking of the quarterbacks in the draft, can I pitch this to you one more time? All three of your first round picks. No, (laughs) no. All right. You might need to have to draft Kenny Piggins just in case. Kenny Piggins. Oh, God. (laughs) Pittsburgh products. All right. That's enough. For the NFL. For now. It's crazy. We had such a, we went an hour almost on football last week and we're at 18 minutes right now. Uh Brendan, stop time watching. All right, Brendan, the Cavs are making moves. They're trying to find their way up the, uh, the ladder of the Eastern Conference, currently sitting at fourth place. Only one game behind the number one seed, though. They went out and made a trade for Karis Levert, a very crafty two guard slash three guard. Uh, that's a small forward. Um, Coming from the Indiana guard, Pacers. From the Indiana Pacers. Um, do you think this could help them get to that one-two position, Brennan? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, so the Pacers, like a few other teams, are in like sell fire sale mode. Uh, the Pacers, I think the Kings are going to be there. Uh, we're all still waiting to see what happens with this Harden Simmons situation. Did I didn't realize? Side note, I didn't realize that Harden. His contract is I up just, after this year? No, I just didn't realize he was going to be such like a, I don't know. I don't want to like say anything disparaging, but like such a brat about this whole thing. Like he got there, he was out of shape and Kevin Durant's like, fucking, I'm going to sign my extension right now. Let's run it. Mm-hmm. And then Ky- the, Durant gets hurt. The thing happens with Kyrie. And then now Harden's like, nah, actually, I don't think I want to be here anymore. It's like, you just got there. Well, I got there like, last year. But you know what I mean? Like it was just... Well, he's putting up know. with a lot. It's, it's for yeah, his defense. He he's just, putting up with a lot. Like there, I heard somewhere that the top four players have not played a game together. The top four the, paid players haven't played a game together. LA um, starting rotation has played more games together this season than those than the big three have since they've been together. Jeez, Jeez. isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah, because they just all got together this year. But um, anyway, and back to the Cleveland Davis and oh. LeBron and missing games. Yeah, <laughs> and they're talking about the Westbrook LeBron Davis incarnation. Not I know. last year. They're talking about this one. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. And Mello, it's crazy. But I do think uh, Karis LeVert gives them much needed depth. Obviously, they've had injuries. Uh, they got rid of Ricky Rubio, who was out for the season with a um, a torn ACL. And then they also, uh, Colin Sexton had to go uh, season-ending knee surgery. So I think bringing in um, Karis LeVert's going to add some depth. Uh, he's a, Like you said, he's crafty. He's not he's not someone you're going to build a team around, but he's definitely a serviceable uh, off-the-bench guy, if not starter. 
Um, so I think this is really going to help them. I, I'm very happy to see Cleveland going for it, making a few moves here and there. And then we still have, I thought the deadline was the fourth. It was the 10th. So we still have a few more days to see what, what kind of unfolds. I'm interested to see what happens because uh, Cleveland still has a couple more expirings and they have a few draft picks that they can, they can move around. So they've still got some more capital if they want to make a move. I'm also super interested to see what happens with Marcus smart in Boston. Cause he's been playing better. Um, like the last two months, he's actually been a real beneficial asset to that team, but they, he's been in trade Not talks for like team. 10 years. Well, he's been in trade talks for like five years, but he's actually playing really well right now. And then the Dame time McCollum thing. I'm super interested to see what happens with that. Yeah. McCollum. I, I read today that uh, New York is thinking about making a play for him. Yeah. New that's York what I saw currently too. 12th in the East. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not the, only a not game behind Knicks. Atlanta, but it's like, geez. Um, yeah, I think this, uh, barring any big moves by say the Sixers or Brooklyn, um, I think this could help them get to a number one, two seed, uh, Chicago's dealing with, um, a couple of injuries right now and they could slip a few games. Milwaukee, I don't know if they're in a rush to be a number one or two seed. They're kind of, they've, they've gotten to the top three and they're kind of at bay right now. Cleveland seems to be the only team that is making a forward push to kind of, you know, take that extra step. Um, Darius between Garland, Jared Allen, Mobley, um, Kevin Love, who's come back finally now that they're actually trying to compete. Um, which is what he wanted the entire time. Well, yeah. And that makes so like, like you were saying with Harden, it's the same thing with Kevin Love. He's like, I signed this huge extension and then you guys tanked. Like, yeah, fuck you. Like, you guys stop trying to compete. Like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be motivated to play. And now that they're yeah. trying to win games, he's out there and he's motivated. Clearly. Um, they got a, they got a good young core. Uh, it sucks that Sexton Super ended up young. going out. Uh, they went and got Rondo to help with the backcourt and help with some of the maturity. So they didn't just have a bunch of young guys. And uh, I think Karis LeVert coming off, I think he suffered an injury like last year, um, but he got himself back right. And he was playing, he was putting up numbers. He wasn't, they, they weren't helping contribute to wins in Indiana. And, you know, that may be because of something else. Um, but yeah, so I, I think for sure, I think for sure they get surprisingly. So the biggest surprise of the year is that they're here at this point of the season. And yeah, it's obviously sure. not a fluke like Washington and New York. This has earlier. the makings. <laughs> this has the makings of being one of those things where they get into the playoffs and then everyone's going to go, Oh, Kevin Love's got a lot of playoff experience. Playoff Rondo. Playoff Rondo's there. Who knows? You know that's what's going to happen. I don't see that at you all. You know that's what's going to happen. There's too many also- good teams in the East. I wanted to ask you, speaking of good teams in the East, um, I heard Jackie McMullen, uh, shout out to her, talking about this. Um, So the way she she talking about this, because she's retired from ESPN. Yeah, she's she still works, uh, does work on the ringer. So I heard her talking about this um, and she was saying that in order from. The top so three. Bill Bill Simmons called her basically is what you're saying. Well, that's, I heard her on the Bill Simmons. <laughs> she doesn't podcast, work for the record. No, Bill no, no, Simmons she, called she, her up. She does so. No, she does. She does seriously. She does work for the ringer. She's on like the NBA show and stuff like that. Um, oh, okay. She uh, she said she's partially retired because she'd go crazy if she was just completely retired. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so that's just an outlet, basically. Yeah. So she comes on like once every couple of weeks to talk NBA. But uh, Shout she was back. on and she said in order. Even with the injury, um, as far as trades for Ben Simmons to make the 76ers better this year and moving forward, Dame was number one, Beal was number two, and then a distant third was James Harden. Wow. Do you ag- agree with a that? Distant third? 
Yeah, she said a distant third because he's already in his mid thirties and he's owed. What is it by not next year, but the year after? Like if he signs an extension, if he opts in for his player option this year, the next year, and then signs an extension, he's going to be owed like sixty one million dollars by the time he's thirty seven. Yeah, so she was just saying like long term by the time he's thirty eight or something like that. Yeah, it's like long term. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but, but Dame's injured. Is, that's what that's what shocked me about it. His his abdomen is way worse than they thought it was. But my thing is, I don't think any of these people are thinking of the long term. They're thinking short term. There's yeah. this is contrary to we, what you contrary to you know what's normally said last year and this year, um, last two years in the NBA and this year where everyone says the NBA is predictable, it's predictable, predictable. This is un, as yeah. unpredictable as it gets. There's That's a true. legitimate six teams, six to seven, eight teams that could, I would not be shocked if they ended up in the finals now. Since um, the bubble season, it has become a lot since more Since the bubble season, it's become way more up in the air. Like in that bubble season, I had no idea Miami would make it. Zero yeah. idea. Before last year, who would have saw the Phoenix Suns? That Dan was Chris crazy. Paul was really going to take them to that one place after getting that Your one piece. Friend, like Chris Paul, yeah. My personal good friend, yes. Um, I, I had no idea that that one piece was going to take that team who had been a bottom dweller for the previous, since they drafted Devin Booker and Aiden, they had been a bottom five team. Yep. Took them all the way to the finals last year. So, and you got Memphis popping up this year. The Lakers and the Clippers are the Clippers have never been past the second round. Let's not forget the Cavaliers. The Lakers are way. Yeah, the Cavs have jumped up this year. The Raptors, who had a bad season last year, have bounced Siakam, back this out of year. nowhere. Looks like he's back. Fred Van Vliet is is an all star. Yeah, <laughs> or it's close to being all is like a legitimate all star snub. Chicago, who you thought was going to make the play in last year, they didn't, and now they're the number two team, toggling between two and one. So the NBA has the disbursement of talent has gotten so wide and so large that I think if the Sixers make that move, they're not thinking about five years down the road when they have to resign them. They're thinking of we could potentially win it this year and be playing at an all at an MVP level similar to last year, but healthy. They're managing his minutes. I would say they're managing his minutes better. They're managing when he plays and when he doesn't play a lot better this year. They could make a legitimate run to the to the post through the postseason to the NBA championship. And then if they win one, you don't care about paying Harden for another three, four years. Like we got the good shit out of the one year that we wanted. Similar to yeah, the it's, Eagles. As long as like, you can win one, that's all. Yeah, that matters. we got the one. Yeah, we gave Carson a bad deal. We can get out of that at, at any time. Somebody's gonna want a bad deal to just drop some money like you can trade that's the easiestly moved thing in the nba is a bad contract look at john wall look at uh russell yeah, i don't care how many people say that's untradeable we've yeah john wall mm-hmm. russell Westbrook, uh, russell Westbrook, paul, we've seen honestly yeah we've like, seen terrible contracts get traded chris paul was thought to have a horrible contract when leaving houston got traded to oklahoma city took them to the playoffs again an untradeable contract they got him to Phoenix and they got to the championship. It's like, these are untradeable contracts, honestly. So, all right, that was a good little passionate rant. Uh, do you Boom. think Westbrook gets dealt? Speaking of Westbrook getting dealt before. Yeah, I think they're going to, I mean, I think they're going to try to move him. I just don't know where they'd move him to. He, yeah, that's the problem. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't make sense on this team. He's, he doesn't make sense anywhere. Yeah, but that's the problem. <laughs> that's exactly right. 
<laughs> I think they would like to move on from him, but I just don't think they're going to find any value because you have to match the contracts. Now, the funny, there's a bit of funny theory floating out there. They've matched contracts before Russ for John Wall. John Wall's yeah. sitting, not being allowed to play by the Rockets. Um, he had a good year last year, averaged about 20 points a game. Um, so wait, and, is John Wall hurt or they just have him no, on ice? No, they just don't want to tr- play okay. him. They just, he wants to start and they're like, we'd rather you come off the bench. And he's like, well, I like, last year I'm I proved starter. I'm yeah. back and I can play starter minutes. Like, why would I come off the bench? That doesn't feasibly make any sense. So they're just at loggerheads and they're just not playing him because of it. Um, wow. Yeah. So it, it, Russ doesn't have a no trade. Honestly, I think it wouldn't be a bad trade. Um, I don't think John is a diva and I mean, you're playing with LeBron and AD like, yeah, yeah. You could be diva all you I could want. Fit in until, there. Yeah. I could fit in there. <laughs> um, and it's not like Russ is not trying to fit in. It's just Russ's game has, precipitously gone down year over year uh, when your game is predicated on athleticism. Once you get up there, once you start getting up there in age, that's going to be the first thing to go, especially because he had some major injuries as well. It's not regular athleticism. It's predicated on like this hyper next, next, next level athleticism. So like, it's one thing to be like, Oh, you know, there he's an athletic, like LeBron is an athletic guy, but Literally, like you said, Westbrook's entire game is predicated on this super fast, super like can jump super like yeah. this pure, insane athleticism. So he doesn't have that anymore. And yeah. I love him to death. Like Westbrook one is one of my, my favorite, favorite guys. Like <laughs> played with a broken hand, like all played that shit. Like I love that. But, yeah. Like he, uh, <laughs> but I just, once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, you can ask D Rose. Yeah. And D Rose, I mean, has, it's the, it's the also, because D Rose has made like a lane for himself, but it's the ability to adjust and the capability to adjust. Like Russ has never been a good shooter. When your yeah. athleticism go, you're supposed to rely on your shooting. His shooting is, was not good to begin with. <laughs> well, that's so the thing is some of these guys down. make a whole other career out of that mid range jumper. Yeah. Once their athleticism goes, but he just never did. Like I, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade's yeah. athleticism went, but he had been developing his three point shot, developing his mid range. So the last two seasons he played, he was still a viable player. He didn't have to retire when he retired. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I, I, I mean, I, I know they want to deal him. I just don't know where he's, where they're going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, all right, so back looping all the way back around. How Full much circle, further, baby. Brennan, do you think the Nets will fall? Currently sitting at the seventh position on a eight game losing streak. Um, do you think they fall further? I don't I don't know how much further until KD gets back. So James and Kyrie have to kind of tread water. And I believe six of those losses. We're on the road. So Kyrie was there and was available. I know one of them was last night to the Denver Nuggets. My Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Um, speaking of Denver Nuggets, I heard on the Rosillo podcast, a really good interview with um, Rivers, Austin Rivers. Oh, wow. Yeah. He actually made a really good point. We were talking about Wall coming off the bench. He said it's a lot harder in the NBA when you think you're a starter to come off the bench because you have two or three bad shots. They'll just pull you. Yeah. But when you're a starter, they'll just let you keep shooting because they trust you. And it's yeah. like it's. Yeah. One of the hardest things to come off the bench because you missed two shots. Is different. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, <clears throat> I think I'm going to maintain my position of that was a real 
throw clear. I, really I know it was. It. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> um, I'm going to maintain my position that the Nets drop in uh, to the play-in game. They will be in the playoffs, but they're going to be between seven to nine. I think. I I don't think they're going to slip past nine, but I think they're going to be right around there as far as the playing game. Because the tournament's seven through ten, right? Yeah, seven through ten, and they're currently yes. at seven. Yeah, I don't think he's like the. I think they might get jumped by the Celtics, the Hornets, and the Hawks. The Hawks might make a move uh, because they need to after the showing that they had last year. It's kind of crazy how they've cratered the season, but uh, I think. But I think they're going to be in the playing game. I think there's like we've talked about a million times so far today. There's too much. There's the disparity of talent is too much to where every team. Look at these top six teams. Everyone's got at least two guys that you're like, yeah, those are the guys. Like, so I don't think Brooklyn's, yeah, they have the best player in the world, but he's not playing right now. So I don't think Brooklyn's any better off than the other teams in front of him. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. All right. Next. Uh, the NHL, Brennan, it never stops. Never stops. Uh, it was a truncated week. Because of a uh, great movie. Truncated week because of uh, the all-star festivities. Uh, shout out to the Hoover dude who made it out there. Um, so what, what, what did your team do before taking this break? All right, let's get into it. We're talking NHL, folks. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. I didn't watch any of the all-star weekend. Uh, I but tuned before- in for like a second. Before the All-Star Weekend, we uh, went on a bit of a little hot streak. We won uh, three out of four. Not too bad. We won seven out of nine before that. I don't know if you guys heard me. I was just counting those up. Seven (laughs) out of nine. Uh, The only loss that we've had in the last like two weeks is against the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. Other than that, we're fucking rocking people. Well, um, currently only behind the Ice Cats. The Panthers, um, since we last spoke, had an 8 4 game over the Columbus Blue Jackets and then a 5 2 loss on a back to back to the Rangers right before the festivities took place. Uh, Huber Dude was the only All Star. That is a travesty. Uh, Barkoff should also have been on that team, but they do it kind of like MLB where they try to force one person from every team, try to shoehorn that thing in, um, which is kind of, I get it. But people should be there on merit and not just like charity situation. There's a couple of Marlins that probably shouldn't have been all-star that were named all-stars just because they want a little bit of everybody in there. Yeah, they have to um, do it from every team. Yeah, they, they don't have to, but they try to oh, do that. The, I thought in the MLB they had to. No, 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 they just want to do that so that everybody will pay attention because everybody's represented. Um, yeah. Still currently standing at the top of the East. Well, Top of the Atlantic, top of the East, too. Top team in the entire league. The Avalanche are still have three games in hand, so they could overtake us at some point whenever they uh, make a couple of those makeup games. Um, But the team looks good. The team looks strong, and this is going to be a good second half for them. Um, They're going to have a heavy away schedule because we had one of the heaviest front-loaded home schedules with 26 games so far at home of the 47. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how we do, how we fare on the road. Uh, but I, I got belief. This is a team that is hot. They score a ton. Um, hopefully the goaltending could shore up as we get further down the line. But 
I believe the Ice Cats will make it to. I'm not going to make any predictions yet. <laughs> You'll be surprised how quick and quick Mayman hits. Quick hit. Brennan. We are quick hits. Quick hits, quick. Brennan, uh, I know we <laughs> usually don't talk college basketball on here at all, um, but this topic is a little different. Bunch um, of fucking hicks from North Carolina. Alrighty. Uh, this topic is a little different. Uh, <laughs> Coach K is in his final season. He, he he did the thing. He made the retirement tour. Um, and he played his last game at rival UNC's stadium in Capitol Hill. Brennan, what's your favorite Coach K or least favorite Coach K memory? Uh, so I don't have a ton of Coach K memories because I'm not a big college basketball guy. Um, some of those Duke teams, though, that he coached, it's just the I think the my lasting memory of Coach K will be how intertwined he was with basketball as a whole between some of the guys he had on those Duke teams to coaching the Olympic teams and just kind of how he's like almost there's this weird six degrees of separation. Everyone jokes about with like Kevin basketball Bacon lifer. I feel like that's in basketball. There's at least maybe even three or four degrees of separation from coach K for every player in the NBA like all two. the way down. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> insane. His, his just reach of the game and all his players speak so highly of him. That's why I was kind of like, I was reading up on what happened. Cause I saw the NC uh, UNC game, but it was at work at the bar. So all the sound was off. And I remember looking at that score, like, dang, like coach K's putting it on him, And just for them to like chant, fuck coach K and all that kind of stuff. It's, <laughs> It's one of those things where it's weird because in a rivalry, there needs to be some sort of animosity, like a little mm. bit of hate, but it's sports hate. So you you don't dislike the people. You just dislike the other team, the other you you just know, like the what colors they stand that they wear. For. Yeah. But like, it's one what of the representing I mean, like, yeah, like you, he represents you don't like their that school, school yeah. that we don't like. Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's all well and good. And if it's the heat of a of a rivalry and like, you know, but for Coach K to be like, this is my last season, I'm going to retire. And then for you guys to do that kind of stuff, it's like, you're like, that's it's just gross. Like, I don't like if anybody did that, because Schnellenberger held this kind of weight in college football. Like if anybody did that, like in, if you said I'm retiring and then we went out and an arena, dude. I'd swear to you, there's guys on the team that would have fought the entire stadium. Like, this is just, it's like Dickie V said, it's classless, it's gross. But Coach K, I will remember, and I'm going to be honest with you, North Carolina fans, I'm going to remember Coach K and a lot more than I'm going to remember Roy Williams. So, shouts out. What's up? Wow. Wow. Roy, who just backed out uh, sort of gracefully, just woke up one day and was like, I'm out. Yeah, he's just like, I'm out. (laughs) Um. But yeah, I think you made a really good point. His intertwinement with the game. Um, I mean, he's had one of the fortunes to pretty much coach every, at least every current day star we know. Um, yep. He's directly coached them through USA Basketball, whether it's LeBron, Kobe, uh, Durant, Westbrook, all of those guys, um, Carmelo, you know. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. Um, my lasting image... And this is because he's an old man. Um, him scolding Dylan Brooks in the handshake line is one of the things I will not forget. It's one of the moments that stick out to me. And before Dylan Brooks kind of cemented himself as like a legit NBA player with Memphis in like the past two, three years, 
only reason I remember Dylan Brooks was, ah, the kid from Oregon that Coach K scolded in line. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Okay, Brennan. We got some WNBA free agency going on. We got some big big moves. Uh, First, huge shout out to Sue Bird. She's coming back for one last season. She's going. She is? Yep. She's coming back for one final ride, baby. Her, Deanna Stewart, and Jewel Lloyd all re-signed with the Storm. Liz Cambage, the big in the middle for the Las Vegas Aces, is going to Los Angeles to solidify that front court with Neko Ogumike and Cheney Ogumike. Um, And then uh, Kennedy Kennedy Carter got traded from Atlanta to LA. So LA is going to be a fun team to watch next year. You know who also is going to be a fun team to watch? Phoenix on top of Brittany Griner, Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith. They also added Diamond to Shield from the Chicago Sky. And they added Tina Charles from the Washington that team Mystics. Stacked. That team is loaded. Wait, Skyler. I thought Skyler was playing for Dallas now. Skyler is not playing for Dallas. I don't know where you Skyler's the girl from uh, Oregon, right? Skyler is North North Notre Dame, and the girl Notre from da- Oregon was- is Sabrina Inescu, and she's in New York. Okay, who had all the picks? Dallas, right? Pick? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't take Sabrina. Mm, Sabrina was the year prior. Okay. I was going to say, I could have sworn that. Okay. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but look at me knowing stuff. Angel McCautry leaving Las Vegas to go to Minnesota. Uh, Courtney. uh, Call her Nick Cage. She's leaving Las Vegas, baby. (laughs) Courtney Williams leaving Atlanta to go to Connecticut, um, back to Connecticut. Um, A lot of big moves, big moves going on. In the W, Asia Wilson re-signed to stay in Las Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see how Las Vegas looks now that Liz is gone and how L.A. looks with Liz there. That's going to be a formidable team out west. Um, So, yeah, little WNBA free agency roundup. All right, the last one, Brennan. I don't know if you paid attention to this at all. Oh, I paid attention. 3-0, baby. 3-0, the U.S. versus Honduras. Um, I really want to talk about this because the U.S. got some flack for scheduling this game in the middle of uh, February in In St. Paul. It was in St. Paul. Oh, Minnesota? Whatever. I knew it was a cold place. Um. Temperatures reached as low as I believe negative sixteen. Some people call this a bush league. Brennan, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I think it's gamesmanship. And hey, Honduras, play, do practice in an indoor stadium that can get super cold. I don't know what to tell you. Like, thank you. It's gamesmanship. I, I, yeah, I thought it was a little. We bit have to do the Olympics in Qatar, where it's going to be like hundred and thirty. You think they're like not building oh. outdoor stadiums there? Like, come on. They're getting it in the winter. So, um, okay, 97. 90. (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, this is gamesmanship. Like you said, uh, Canada has been playing some of these games. Canada Canada plays some of these games. I mean, (laughs) just right there alone. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm stunned that, yeah, they beat us the the two. Oh, you think this is cold? Hey, uh, I'm stunned by how people, uh, Started saying now the players that ended up getting hypothermia, we hope they're fine and whatnot. Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, there are two players that ended up getting hypothermia, but you gotta, there's elemental 
advantages for all of these countries and all of these nations. And I'm not just talking about in CONCACAF. I'm talking about around the world. Uh, teams, there are certain teams that are going to play in Europe that are going to play in different conditions um, to those around them. So you got to take advantage of what advantages you can have. Uh, yes, they probably could have beat them anywhere else, but why not make it a little more difficult? None of these, there's no love lost between any of these teams in these divisions. They all dislike each other strongly. Um, they respect each other, but they don't like each other. So if you can make it harder for somebody you don't like, I don't see why they wouldn't. And the thing I said on our discord, I was like, we praise the ice bowl. We yeah. praise the ice bowl, but everybody's mad about this. Like, come on, man. You, you, we can't have it both ways. Uh, I appreciated uh, the gamesmanship and I appreciated a three Oh win. Um, the team looked good and hopefully they can in the next window. Um, hopefully they can clinch their way to the final, the, the, the world cup. So, yeah. I hope so. All right. Something we haven't done in a while, Brennan. Welcome to the big leagues. Wow, we haven't heard that in a minute. It's been a while. All right, this is the walk-off where we give you a short essay portion, a rant, or a long essay. rave, or a long essay. Um, I hosted, so that means Brennan will go first. I believe that, that's how it goes. <laughs> yep. All right, so I will shut up. Shut up. All right. <clears throat> wow, it's been a while since we've done this. My uh, walk-off is entitled, Who Does the Sacrifice Fall On? This week, I have more questions than answers. Since last week, the news broke about Coach Flores and the lawsuit he brought to the NFL about hiring practices and the systemic and inherently obvious racism when it comes to the filling when it comes to filling the positions of head coaches and executives. I will leave that topic to my co-host and his walk off this week. But it did start my thinking down a path of questioning who is the one that needs to make the sacrifice for the long term good of the whole. Let me be more precise in what I mean. My favorite team in the NFL is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were in the market for a new head coach after the debacle that was Urban Meyer. Immediately after his firing, Joe and I recorded an emergency pod to talk about it. We went back and forth about the season as a whole and what a disaster it was, but also concluded that Byron Leftwich would be the perfect replacement. Leftwich is a favorite son of Jacksonville. After the departure of Mark Brunel, he took over as quarterback and brought some semblance of success to the team even helping take them, the team to the playoffs in 2005. His lack of undeniable success and injuries eventually led the team to move on, but there was never a feeling of ill will towards Leftwich. In fact, quite the opposite. Everyone knew he had the goods, but he just couldn't stay on the field. A few years after he retired from football, he started his coaching career. 2016, as a part of the Cardinal staff, he then eventually wound up in Tampa Bay. As the OC of the Buccaneers and under the tutelage of Bruce Arians, Leftwich had developed into one of the best offensive minds in football, especially when it comes to the no-risk-it, no-biscuit, high-flying offense the Bucs have been known for. Even with a turnover-prone quarterback that threw 30 interceptions in one season, that same quarterback led the entire NFL in yards in the Arians-Leftwich system. I say all that to say Byron Leftwich was mine and many Jags fans' number one pick to coach the team. I even thought it was a done deal weeks ago when I saw articles and tweets, not from citable sources, that the Jags and Byron were just finalizing the contract. But then as quickly as it happened, Byron removed his name from consideration. Why? What? How? How could this have happened? Now, a few weeks removed, it has come out that Byron was under the impression that Balky 
would be out as GM and he could bring in Adrian Wilson, famed safety and now VP of player personnel with the Arizona Cardinals. But that was not the case. The cons wanted to stick with Trent Baalke, who was already in place and under contract. This brings me to my biggest question in the outdated and disturbing hiring practices of the NFL. Is it Byron's responsibility as a black coach to take an opportunity, no matter to the dysfunctional structure and foundation of the franchise, to become a head coach? We see that black head coaches have an almost impossible road back to being a head coach in the NFL if they do not do well at their first stint. So with the decay and dysfunction that Balky has brought to the Jacksonville organization, is it is a surefire bet that Leftwich would fail in Jacksonville. Hell, at this point, I think every coach for the next year or two is going to fail. But as history has taught us, Byron would most likely not get another opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL after that. But is representing himself and other aspiring young black coaches everywhere at the highest level of coaching in all of pro sports more important in the short term than Byron's long-term career goals? I say no, and I am of the belief that Byron made the right decision in passing on the job with the current structure in place. As much as it pains me to say that, I think it was the right choice. In my opinion, it is not Byron's responsibility to sacrifice his future if things go poorly in Jacksonville for a few years of saying, well, now there are two black head coaches. On a much larger scale, we've seen this with the NFLPA negotiations with the owners. It has been said that the players would, if the players had a legitimate threat of a walkout, it would swing the leverage in their favor. But no man who spent his whole life trying to get to the NFL is going to pass up game checks and pay for what? To make sure the next generation of players can get guaranteed contracts? Which leads me back to my main question. Ultimately, who does the sacrifice fall on? That's it. Sorry, I had to unmute myself. <clears throat> that was really good. Thank you. You know, we're really good at this walk-off thing, I think. We're getting there. I'm getting there, at least. I think I'll just, I'll go through mine, and then we can have a discussion at the end here. Okay. Because they're in Full disclosure veins. to the listeners, before I shut up, uh, we talked about this beforehand because I kind of had a feeling of what Joe was going to do for his walk-off, and then I wanted to discuss the Byron thing. So we, we planned this whole thing out. Yeah, we actually do some level of production. Shut up. Shut up. Shut you and your dog up. Hey. Sorry, I got carried away there. My uh, uh all right. My my um my walk off is entitled The NFL and America. America is about thirteen point four percent black. Players in the NFL make up roughly sixty percent of the workforce. But somehow there are only now two black head coaches. Brian Flores filed a lawsuit, and I don't think it'll go anywhere, but that doesn't mean there isn't a glaring problem that we all see. In recent years, it's been a trend for black coaches to have losing jobs. Steve Wilkes was given a horrible team in Arizona and was fired after one year. Vance Joseph got two years in Denver. Hughes Jackson was hired to hired during the tanking strategy launched by the Browns and the same could have been said for Flores, but Flores was given, but when Flores was given a tanking job that the likes of Dominique Foxworth said was unjust to have players deliberately lose and put in position to lose deliberately lose and put in position to lose and have bad film stunting their career. This somehow did not come to fruition because the Dolphins exceeded expectations. The goalpost has constantly been moved for black coaches. Let me say it again. The goalposts for black coaches are also constantly moving. 
during the previous two hiring cycles, the biggest knock on Eric B. Enemy was he didn't call plays. If you look around, how many of Sean McVay's offensive coordinators or even quarterback coaches have been given jobs even though they never called plays? One of McVay's former offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, just had his offensive coordinator, who doesn't call plays, hired by the Denver Broncos. The next is opportunities. After one year of coaching the Rams defense, Brandon Staley found himself the head coach of the Chargers. People forget that he was a defensive coordinator. Now he's somehow a quarterback guru. Okay. Mike Daniels for, was the OC in San Francisco for one year. Disclaimer, he's biracial. I don't. It's confusing. He doesn't clear, say he's black. He doesn't say he's white. He says he's biracial. So I don't know really, really to put that on the line, the spectrum there. That's an addendum. Uh, Raheem Morris was a coach over a decade ago. He hasn't had, hasn't left the game, but he also hasn't had another opportunity to be a head coach. He even tried to change his side of the ball going from defense to offense because he thought that was the better track to become a head coach. And then eventually he got rehired as a defensive coordinator right now for the Rams. Who are in the Super Bowl? Brandon Staley didn't do that. Just saying. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a difference. I know. I know. Settle down. Um, but he hasn't been given an opportunity. Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier, none of them have been given the opportunity. But Doug Peterson and Mike McCarthy have found themselves with a second chance. According to the Belichick text, Brian Dable was given the job before Flores or even Leslie Frazier had a chance to interview the new GM for the Giants came over from Buffalo, so it's not shocking that he'd want to bring in his guy. But all the guys all seem to have similar things in common. Now, I did. I don't think the problem lies at the feet of Roger Goodell. The league and its the league has diversified itself in its structure, uh, hiring minorities up and down the board, from women to people of color to men of color women and men of color, and they have put forth initiative and incentives for teams to look outside of themselves. But in the case of the Giants, how would Flores even get a fair shot if the GM already made up his mind? How can one do well in an interview if the interview is a ruse? They tell black coaches over and over that you need this and you need that in order to get the job, when the truth is you have to be white to get the job. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, I heard, uh, I've heard so many people talking about this. Um, but the one thing was Biggest thing um, in the news cycle, Brandon. I don't know if you know. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I, uh, found the most relatable, I guess was, um, kind of space in the name, the tackle for a million years for the, Cleveland Browns, who's now oh, on the Thomas. NFL Network. Yeah, Joe Thomas. <clears throat> Thank you, because he was here with there. He was there with the Hugh stuff. Um, mm. He he put it in uh, a really interesting perspective because as a as a as a as a white former football player, I can't I can't speak to what it's like for black coaches, obviously. But um, the thing that he said is that you can you can do all the hiring you want when it comes to those ancillary positions and stuff. But as long as the GMs and the owners are white, they're going to want to hire people that look like them and talk like them and sound like them. So they hire white coaches and it's, it's a comfort thing. It's a, it's a, I think it's a, in some cases it's a completely um, subconscious thing, but it, it it's because it's exactly what you said. It's because they're white and it's, it's just, it's a literally a familiarity thing. Yeah. 
And, and it's insane to me. And that's why I wanted to do my walk off because I, I wanted to know, and I want to get your take on this is whose responsibility is it? Is it Byron's responsibility to take the job, to be a black head coach in the NFL, to represent a whole entire group of people or in my opinion, for him to say, fuck off, I'm, this is a terrible situation. I'm going to do poorly. And then I'll never get another opportunity. Like I want nothing to do with this. I completely agree with that. Like I tell him to shove it too. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword because there's only 32 jobs, but there's also only 32 jobs. So if the job you get, the opportunity you get, Brandon Staley was handed on a silver platter year two of Justin Herbert, even though Anthony Lynn, they weren't a bad team. They were a middle team. And what they do this year, they were a middling team again. So Anthony Same Lynn thing, yeah. didn't really need to be fired, but you, they give the prestigious jobs to the white coaches. When the Browns thought they were going to be good. All right, get out of here. Hugh Jackson, bring in Kevin Stefanski. So the, the, they give the black coaches the job when it's time to lose. They don't give them time yeah. to succeed. The Leslie like, look Frazier at, look thing at, has been the most mind boggling thing out of all this. Forget the Leslie Frazier thing. Last year's AFC championship had four, had three minority coaches, coordinators. None, all of them are still with that team. Well, that's right. That's two cycles. That's the Les- the, Le- <laughs> the reason why I say the Leslie Frazier thing is because when he was in Minnesota, they weren't they weren't terrible. They weren't terrible, and then he got bounced, and then he's coached the best one of the top three defenses in the NFL like two year three years in a row, and still can't get a job. <laughs> yeah, and 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 to the to this whole point, when Houston hired Cully, we all thought it was a sham. Yeah, they fired Cully. We say, all right, they they did what we thought they were going to do. Go clean up this mess that no one else could do anything with. Like, no one's going to win with you're, that yeah, team. Yeah, you're a wicker man. You're, you're there just to get lit on fire. He exceeded all expectations, yep. getting them to as many wins as they had the season prior when they actually had Deshaun Watson. And then they just hired the defensive coordinator. So it's like, what was the point of getting rid of Cully at that point if you just hired from it within? Because yeah. that's still a person, a part of the same staff that you just got rid of. And they were yeah, talking about they were talking about Josh McCown. And that's I didn't write this into it, but that's the thing that you sh- that just shows the level of disparity. Byron Byron Leftwich, who played the game, retired from the game, has been on the sideline in the NFL for how many years now? He did it in Arizona. He's here now in Tampa Bay. Yeah, since Hasn't, 2016. Hasn't gotten got one shot really like we really thought he was going to get the Jags job, but there's so much backstory there. He played for the Jags. We thought he was going to get that job. All that needed to be there. Josh McCown retired, what, two years ago and is coaching high school football and was a legitimate candidate for the Texans job. Well, it it comes down to and I don't. I'm just going to be blunt. I don't mean, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I mean, it's going to come off that way because I'm going to be blunt, but I think there is this running idea. um, And we've seen it in all sorts of football movies and just narratives about football that they think the black guys are dumb. 
the black yeah exactly the black former athletes are they said it in friday night lights i remember there was a whole episode about it where the coach calls the running back he's like a junkyard dog he's just really mad he runs angry and everyone like was like oh my god how could you say that about and that i honestly i think that old boy mentality still runs rampant when it comes to executives and owners it's not so much i'm i'm going to say it's not so much in other coaching so maybe with some of the older coaches but I just as someone who like a lot of these guys in the NFL are my age and I played with similar peers when I played in college, you know what I mean? So like that mentality isn't so much so in that generation, but I a hundred percent think I know it's in the older generation where they think these guys are athletes. They're not intelligent. They're, they, they're very good at certain things, but not everything, which was the whole argument against black quarterbacks 10 years ago. It's why you didn't have black quarterbacks for so long. It's why you didn't have black middle linebackers for so long. It's why you didn't have offensive linemen for so long. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> how many black the... centers are in the league? Oh God, right now four. I think like that exactly. start. They think yeah. you have to. It's too cerebral for a black athlete. And to... Hudson is one of the best centers in the NFL. It, 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 it's just you can see it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see it. You just have to be a, a anti-vaxer. You have to be somebody who's denying what's well, in front of you. And it's also interesting because it's if so you're going ingrained. to deny it. It's so ingrained in the system where from Peewee, you get these bad because this is an interesting take that I heard. Um, God, who Van Lathan said it. Um, mm. Van Lathan was talking about how football at its root, its popularity comes from more rural sprawled areas like yeah big cities have teams but the people who root for football the south the west it's 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 more open air it's more conservative a lot of land and yeah the people who who love basketball it's a very urban environment and i don't mean urban as in black i mean urban as in what the definition of urban is metropolitan cities inner cities one is on grass one is on concrete exactly and so the the point that he was making was that as long as racism exists and it will um, because the problem, the, the root of the problem is that if something bad happens to you and it happens to happen to you by someone of a different race, you automatically associate the race with negativity. That's just how your people's brains work. So there's always going to be that underlying factor, especially in those communities. I grew up in the South. I played football in the South. I know for a fact that when they would ask, like, what position do you want to play? There was a lot of like, no, actually, you're going to play this position. And it's completely based on size, speed, and the color of your skin. We joked about it with Cooper Cup, but like yeah. the only time white guys play receiver is when they go to like a division, like a small, like 2A or 1A Christian Academy. And there's the only, they're the only guys that can play receiver. Like I joke about it, but that's the truth. Or you play yeah. slot. Like that's just the racism is so ingrained in the sport. I mean, Julian Edelman was a quarterback before they moved them into the slot. Can't stay quarterback. <laughs> like it's. So you, the, the, but the whole, like, the, uh, I'll say this and then I'll be done with this rant. The whole idea, and I understand, I, and the, this is the double edged sword about it. I understand that from a perspective where you put these guys in these positions and then they succeed, you're going to keep putting these guys in these positions. Yeah. There's a reason why corners don't respect Cooper Cup. Yeah. Because he's a white receiver. Yeah. And in their experience, they've never been, they've never lined up against a white receiver they couldn't shut down. 
So in their minds, it's like, why the fuck would I respect this guy? And I totally understand that mindset, but that perpetuates the issue as well on the field. Yeah. When, the, when some of the players think that the majority of the players think that then it just, it perpetuates this entire cycle. And that's, and that's what bothers me is the fact that like I wanted, and the reason I'm getting so passionate is because I wanted so badly for Byron to take over. He just was coaching with Tom Brady for the last two years, that high flying offense. He, Jameis Winston was putting up huge numbers. I thought if we could get him in here and we have a GM and Trent bulky, who's torpedoed this entire franchise <laughs> and the cons don't want to get rid of him. So Byron was like, I'm not, I'm out. Like I'm not doing this. And yeah, that's it, why I'm so frustrated. Cause it's like, uh, come on, man. I will say it was interesting because the Trent bulky thing, I didn't know he wanted to bring in Adrian Wilson, but um, I'm not, it's funny how different people are afforded the luxury of things like that. Adam yeah. Gase got hired by one GM. He got that GM fired and then brought in his own guy. Yeah. Like Adam Gase, who I don't know if he's ever had a winning. He had one winning season where he got the Dolphins to the playoffs one time. I, <laughs> and it's, it, it, it. And and I didn't suffer it, didn't suffer a hiring cycle. Immediately got fired by the Dolphins the next year. Then, he was yeah. the Jets coach. I think it's disrespectful um, to society as a whole. I let me I want to phrase this the right way. I, I obviously we we both understand and know racism exists within all of sports. Uh, there's that one comic who has that great joke about it where. They were racist in Alabama until they got the black running back. And then they were just like, mm-hmm. ah, never mind. Um, but it's racism. Until that exists. kid decides he wants to go to college. Right. <laughs> and on <laughs> all mean, levels the league. And, and in sport, the I think it's disrespectful to people who do. Because we are talking about a child's game that these people are playing and coaching in and everything. And it brings in billions of dollars. But this obviously pales in comparison to the things that happen in everyday life on the street to people. You know what I mean? Because of, so it was, it was, it's, it's frustrating to see it. Um, especially because a lot of it doesn't make any sense. It's old world views that are outdated and been proven wrong time and time again. But for some reason, some of these owners still hang on to these old world views that don't like, it doesn't make any sense. world. Um, Yeah. last little bit of thing like I'll say on this unless I spark some in you and you spark some in me to keep going Um, but I know you got somewhere to be soon Um, oh shit (laughs) is just think about how they talk about coaches Mike Tomlin is one of the greatest coaches in the NFL second longest tenure next to Bill Belichick they only refer to him as a players coach Sean McVay has been the offensive guru and everybody under Sean McVay has been an offensive guru. Kyle Shanahan is an offensive guru. They never referred to, uh, they never referred to, I just forgot his name. What's my name? Byron Leffridge. They never uh, referred to Byron Leffridge as an offensive guru. They never referred to Eric Bieniemy yeah, as an like offensive they say his guru. They, they, Aryan they, system. Yeah, they, they do in the way that it's discussed, they do as much to undercut the black candidates as they do to elevate the white candidates. Now, do you think that's 
Because I honestly think Mike Tomlin is a player's coach because the, his players love him and he would die. Like that doesn't mean you're a player's coach. And even if you're a player's coach, that's not a bad thing. Steve. No, that's uh, what I'm saying. Uh, what I was going to say is, do you think the. Uh, Carroll is a player's coach. Yeah. That was 100%. his biggest thing for a long time. <laughs> do you think it's because. Now, follow me on this one. I follow you. you. I, let me, let me, let me, let me ride this ship. They, th- uh, I've heard this a while ago. They think if you, the a benefit to getting a black head coach is because they can relate with their players. Okay. I was going to say, do you think it's because the pool of coaches, head coaches is so small that you don't have like all these different genres, if as it were, mm. to pick from. Like Mike Tomlin is a player's coach, but maybe if you had Leslie Frazier, Mike Tomlin, Byron Leftwich, those are three. I mean, <laughs> Leslie different Frazier people. is not. Yeah, yeah he's not a player's three coach. Different personalities. He's a defensive genius, and that's so. What I'm saying is the pool is so small that you happen to get someone who's a player's coach, which sounds derogatory. It's not, but it sounds derogatory, <laughs> especially when you're say, saying other guys are derogatory. gurus and geniuses. Yeah, I'm about to say, but the way they say, like, what, what, yeah. what was it? I love Teddy. Teddy Ted Terry Terry Bradshaw, but I thought you were going to say Ted Bundy. <laughs> no, no, Terry Bradshaw. Almost been Teddy Bradshaw. With Terry Bradshaw, when his criticism was Mike Tomlin's a players coach, he has his pom poms. He's not doing it. He's not. He doesn't have control of his team. And it's like, what are you talking about? This guy yeah. hasn't had a losing season in his career. In fifteen years, one with a quarterback who should have retired two years ago. He yeah, went to the playoffs. Like any, he won with Duck Hodges. Terry Bradshaw, though, is of that old world mindset. I 100% agree, Terry Bradshaw. He probably, like, uh, I don't want to, whatever. Who gives a shit? I'm a comic. I I love Terry. Don't do it. I can say this. I'm a comic. But I'm just saying, do you think Terry Bradshaw at night when he's at home and had a couple of pops, he's looking at Lamar Jackson like, that guy can't play quarterback? Uh, I don't know. Terry is from Louisiana. He's from Louisiana. Yeah. I was going to say, if he's from Kentucky, he might be like, yeah, he played at Louisville. You know, he's not that bad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But I right, just let's get I, out of here. We got to get out of yeah. here. You got to be somewhere. Yeah, I do. All right, cool. All right. Uh, press conference. And we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. Did you get a discussion? Right, I did get a Brucey. Um, I did that during your walk off. I was listening, though. That's why I learned about Adrian Wilson. Um, but yeah, Brennan, plug your wares. All right. Uh, Brennan T comedy on all, at Brennan T comedy on all social media, Brennan T comedy.com. Check out my other podcast. Brennan Tazif is your ex drinking buddy. I have people on comics, artists. I had a filmmaker on this past week. Anderson Cowan might've heard of him. Oh, uh, he, uh, we talk about drinking stories, party stories, drug stories, getting in trouble stories, reminisce about the good old days. Far enough. Balky um, stories. Yeah. Did you listen to it yet? It's pretty I did. good. Yeah, um, yeah. I meant anyway, to hit you up as soon as I listened, but I keep forgetting. At Brennan T Comedy, BrennanTComedy.com. Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Just Google ex-drinking buddy. It'll come up. Um, that's it. No dates coming up because I suck at my job. Joe. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorver. You can go to my website, JoeDorver.com. If you want to check out my music under the moniker headphone, Joe, no O, no E in the phone. And if you want to check out some merch, that's JoeDorville.com backslash store. You can check out this show's Twitter and Instagram at Kieran Press. Don't forget to go to anewlow.co to check out all the good wares and whatnot. Brennan, get us out of here so you can hit up the stand. That's why we play the game. Hello. Hello. Huge shout out. Byron Leftwich, man. I wanted you to come home. And Brian Flores. Go get the NFL.
You have been listening to the Anulo Podcast Network. We have four tremendous podcasts on our current roster. If you like the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, then you also might enjoy hearing the Ham Boys rank every song from the Hamilton soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast with hosts Headphone Joe and Kyle Loader. Get your sports talk radio fix with Cheers from the Press Box featuring Headphone Joe Dorville and stand-up comedian Brennan Tassif. Curious about how the brain works? Get your neuroscience knowledge with some laughs at Misbehavior Journal Club. This fortnightly science-slash-comedy podcast is where two lady researchers bring you the latest studies on behavior. It stars Amiel Moreno and Leah, a.k.a. Leah, or vice versa, Krevit. Finally, we have a new low. The podcast has started it all. This show features Farzad, Headphone Joe, Kyle Loader, L. Greg, and Scott by Scott. They discuss anything and everything depending on their moods or their level of sobriety at the time. Thank you for supporting the Anulo Network, and feel free to share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Thanks again, and goodbye.